0: Good evening. Today is Wednesday, February 15th, and we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter slash step is <clears throat> Bill's story, and our speaker tonight is Tess. Thank you, Tess.
1: Thank you so much, everyone. My name is Tess A. I am a compulsive overeater um, from Long Island, New York. And I am very grateful to be here to share with you a little bit tonight on Bill's story, on my own experience. Before I jump into Bill's story, I just quickly want to claim my seat. So I came into program in January of 2020. I always knew that my eating behaviors were more... Than just needing to eat a little bit healthier or cut out some junk food. I always knew there was something more to it. I was not a stranger to recovery in college. Um, I worked in therapy and other ways to, to work um, on other compulsive behaviors that I was engaging in that were harmful to myself. Um, and and worked through a couple different things. So I was no stranger to recovery. And I think I've always been a compulsive overeater. Um, As a child, I would sneak, I would hide food, all of those things. I just could never get enough of sweet foods, salty foods. I always wanted more. However, none of those behaviors really came to the surface or they weren't as uncontrolled as they were they really got out of control once I graduated college because I got my own car and I had the ability to get food for myself. And again, I always knew that there was something more to it, but I just could never really put my finger on it. And so I graduated from college in 2016. And um, within the year after that, I got my own car. And then it started Um, you know, I, I really started my, my heavy eating, um, it, it started off with, I would go to the drive-thru like pretty much daily, but as this disease progresses, my trips to the drive-thru would also increase in number. And by the fall of 2019, I was probably going to the drive-thru for every single meal of the day, some form of drive-thru every single meal of the day. And those meals that I would order would get bigger and bigger. Um, I would order more things. um, And I just was watching myself over that period of time um, also get bigger and bigger physically. And I had my first rock bottom moment in this, the end of December 2019. It was those days in between Christmas and New Year's. I was sitting alone in my bedroom in the dark and I was depressed and for the first time in a long time i seriously thought about engaging in a self-harming behavior that i had long since not done since before college so i was even seeing that all of the recovery work that i had done in college was was starting to unravel a little bit so i just went on google and i just started searching for different support groups different resources different things that were out there and i Came upon OA's website and I read the description. I read through a couple things and I went to my first meeting that Thursday and I knew that OA was going to be right for me. Um, I knew this is what I needed when I went to that first meeting, but I wasn't ready to do the work yet. I would go to meetings once or twice a week but I would stop at the drive through on the way to my meeting and on the way home from a meeting. Um, so I, w- I was going, I knew that this is where I was supposed to be. I knew this is also where like, I was going to kind of figure this out, but I just wasn't ready to work yet. Um, secondly, I also came in to program with pretty strong um involvement in in my own faith tradition, um both personally and professionally. I would like to say that I, I felt like God was my job, um still kind of is. And um I I would kind of speak openly about where I was at with higher power with with God. And um in, in speaking to fellows early on, what at least I was hearing um, this may not have been what they were actually saying, but what what, what my brain was hearing was that this was going to be easy for me because I already had that question sorted out. I, I wouldn't really run into a ton of issues with that. And so in my own head, I, I thought like, okay, I've done all this really hard work. I guess this will not be really difficult. And then very shortly after that, the pandemic hit. And like so many other things in our, in life, my program also went virtual and it was around this time that another young fellow, um, who was it from my home intergroup with me approached me and said, Hey, I have been going to this big book meeting. It's kind of small, but it's really transformed my own recovery. And if you wanted to come to this meeting with me, you know, here's the info, And I was open to it. So I went to this meeting and we were reading the chapter, We Agnostics. And I know that's not what I'm speaking on tonight, but there was one line that we read from We Agnostics on page 52. And it said, we agnostics and atheists were sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency would solve our problems. We read that line and finished that paragraph. And I remember thinking and, and writing in my own book for myself, I was like, and this, and believers too. Um, Like I was also sticking to the idea of self-sufficiency a hundred percent. And it was at this meeting and reading that chapter that I just saw that there was such a depth to the big book and I was sold on it pretty quickly. um, And I knew that I wanted a big book sponsor and that I wanted to work my program that way. So it took me a bit to to find a to find a, a sponsor, and um, once I found uh, my my sponsor, we we got right to work. And the sponsor that I have, she and I came from similar backgrounds, and we shared a lot of experience and where we were at with with higher power. And she spoke to me a lot about this spiritual arrogance that she had when she came into program. And I understood what she was talking about, but I didn't really think I was like, why is she talking so much about this whole spiritual arrogance thing? I don't really, I just didn't really like click for me yet, but I understood what she was saying. And, um, I, I've stayed with a sponsor, um, but I didn't really, it didn't really click with me yet. This whole spiritual arrogance thing that she was talking about. So I got through step eleven on the first time, um, but I had missed something on my fourth step, so I relapsed. So was honest pretty quickly with my sponsor about it. We decided to keep working together, and we started over again. And we came back to Bill's story, and she was talking a lot about this arrogance. And I think I was kind of starting to get it. Like I was playing. Like I did have a God problem. Like I was. I. I was not where I. I wasn't where I thought maybe I was with God. Like I wasn't in this great place. I didn't have this great relationship with a higher power. I kind of had to start over and come to this as if I was coming, come to working the steps as if I had no experience and just had to start fresh. And so I did that, got through all the steps again and was sponsoring for a little bit. Um, But then life started to happen and I, um, met a guy and I thought this guy was going to give me all of the love that I wanted in my heart and he didn't do that. And I relapsed again and was open and honest with my sponsor. Um, she took some time and she said, we're going to, you and me, we're going to keep working together. Um, And we started over again and I realized pretty quickly that I had to come face to face with this whole arrogance thing. And I think it's also really fitting that I'm talking about someone else who probably would have described himself as pretty arrogant. And that is our friend, Bill, um, Bill's story. And with Bill's story, something that my sponsor said to me every time we went through Bill's story together. She was like, Bill's story is not just Bill's story. It's it's our story. And this big question that I have written right on top of page 1 is how do I relate to Bill? And that was something that I really had to think about and the second time I I read through Bill's story with her, I really took that question seriously. Like, how do I relate to Bill? And I really saw it, that Bill's story was not just Bill's story. Bill's story is my story. Bill's story is my story as well. Even though his story took place almost 100 years prior to mine, even though I um, have a very different experience, his story is is also my story. And so a cool thing that I did, especially in the early beginning paragraphs, I numbered all of the paragraphs in Bill's story. Um, I just thought that was more helpful for me to kind of find things. And what I did is I wrote out like a parallel, like Tess's story. Um, I didn't do it for the whole chapter. I just did it for certain things. But I, I was looking at like, where's he at in his experience and where was I at in my experience? So the very first paragraph, he's talking about war fever is running high in New England. There's all these high emotions going on in in New England. Um you know, he's talking about how he's feeling so heroic. He's receiving love, applause, war moments sublime with intervals hilarious. I was part of life at last. And so I thought, all right, where was I like a part of life? Where was I having all of these high experiences and all of these things and i realized for that it was in college um i received these great gifts of recovery in different ways in college um and when i came home from college i came home kind of thinking and feeling like a veteran in my own right like a mental maybe um like veteran and i was a hero coming home <laughs> um i was a hero and i I had all these things I had really great and continue to have really great outside support from friends, family, professionals. Um, but the thing that I was missing in my life was a real sense of love for myself. Um, a real loving relationship that I have now with my higher power, all of that was missing. Um, and I was getting recognized for all of the great things that I had overcame when I was in college. Um, just like Bill is being fancied himself as a leader on the end of page one, um, you know, that starts kind of his big I statements. Um, you know, my sponsor also had me circle every time he says the word I all down page two. Um, every time he says I, I have it circled. Um And he says that he fancied himself a leader. Um, He would be able to manage these things well. And I was kind of having similar experiences like that as well. Um, And ultimately, I knew that that nothing was going to, the real healing and recovery that I needed had to come from deep within my heart. And I wasn't getting that yet. I wasn't getting that yet. And in my own mind, I was like, I'm not engaging in these other destructive behaviors. So I'm fine. And in a sense, when I graduated, I, I kind of traded. Um, I I I found a more like one could say like a little bit more of like a socially acceptable um behavior to engage in, and that was eating. Um I feel like, at least in my own experience, there were a lot of people in my life who also had disordered relationships with food. And it was very easy for me to blend in there, but still look like a hero. And so I did, I blended into that very, very well and very, very easily. And I, I was kind of looking through these notes that I did and, um, you know, I'm going through this whole thing. And, and one note is that, that I wrote down for myself is that while all this, all of this was happening um I just have written and higher power weighted higher power weighted um and then looking at
2: page
1: three of Bill's story that second paragraph down um that big statement I had arrived um I was equating success with my identity I was my job. I was what I was good at. Um, I was the amount of friends that I had. Um, And I, again, just like perpetuating in my own arrogance, which was really hiding a lot of fear. And it was hiding a lot of of fear, a lot of self-pity. It was all kind of hiding under this, this arrogance that I had that I, I could handle everything myself. I did all my recovery things. Um, I just have this little food thing. It's probably deeper. Um, but I would be able to figure it out. I would be able to figure it out. And, Five minutes. thank you. And then on page four of Bill's story, you see the the tragedy of the stock exchange. And he's talking about how he was, you know, watching people they're throwing themselves from from buildings and how um how disgusted he was at that. That the line, it's the middle of page four. I, I was finished and so were many friends. The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. Um Bill here, he's kind of saying his slow, his like slow alcoholic suicide was almost a more noble one. and I felt the same way about my food because I hated myself just as much as I did when I was in college. Um, but I had to pretend I was all cool and recovered and and everything like that for my job and for my family and for my work and, um, for all of these different things. Um, but really, I still harbored so much anger, um, so much fear, so much lack of trust. And again, just so much, so much arrogance, um, that no, like in my own experience and in my own head, I was like, God, I will stay faithful. Um, but I am going to still do things my way. And I'm going to be really angry the whole time. And all of that had to come down. And it really was after that second time that I relapsed that I just had to start over completely with, who, like, what is this higher power for me? What is all of that? And I really started that whole recovery process after. Um, and what that really took the form of for me is page eight, we have kind of that first promise of being capitulated into that fourth dimension of existence. I I still knew that that was going to happen for me um, if I kept working, if I kept being honest. So with that whole process of starting over for me, especially after relapsing and especially after coming to that realization, like just like Bill makes that admission that alcohol was his master, like food was my master. Um, and I was screwed. I was screwed. I was not going to be able to intellectualize myself out of it. I was not going to be able to pray myself out of it. I was not going to be able to work myself out of it. Nothing. Like I was, I was screwed. Um, And after that, what my sponsor had me do is she had me just sit and just write dear God letters. And she's like, I just want you to be honest She's like, I don't even want you to send them to me because if I have you send them to me, you're going to think it's too much like a homework assignment. You're going to try to impress me with how much, you know, and I don't want you to do that. So I just want you to do them. Two minutes. Um, I just want you to do these letters. And it was there that I just started totally over from scratch. Um, and in these, these last two minutes, i um, kind of wrap up like what things look like now a little bit um, in kind of this rebuilding, um, in my big book, I added an extra color of things that I would highlight. And those were reminders of my powerlessness. And that was just something that I started to own like very proudly, like I am powerless and I had to own that so much. And that year, um, for Christmas, I got like a little words bracelet and I asked them to put the word powerless. And it's a bracelet that I wear every day. And every morning I remind myself um, in humility that I am powerless. Um, And as I kind of re went over um, my fourth step that time, I did a lot of looking at these resentments that I had against, against God, um, looking at these resentments against myself, against the recovery process that I had already gone through, looking at all of those things, um, turning those over. Um, sitting back and just instead of searching really hard for character defects, um, I was just when they came up, I was going to work with them as they as they came up as higher power showed them to me. Um, and so much has changed because at the end of the day, I don't have to prove myself to anyone anymore. Just like in the beginning of my story, right? I had to prove that I was okay. Like Bill had to prove that he was this heroic veteran. I don't have to prove myself to anyone. I wake up every morning now and I am confident in the fact that I have a higher power who loves me. Um, I have a higher power that loves me. And I just get to follow those directions. I get to be of service and be useful to people. Um, And ultimately... Just get to live in the solution. But it took a lot of humility for me to get there. Um, and that's what I will end with. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, Tess. That was fantastic.
0: Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, who is that? I forgot.
1: Meredith and Leslie had to to split, so I'm gonna just do the timekeeping as well.
0: Oh, thanks, Zach. Okay, um, set the time timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. The speaker is if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, do is anyone want to start us off tonight? Because if you don't, I'm going to jump right in there. Okay, I guess I'm up. Um, Meredith, compulsive reader in Nashville, Tennessee, and. Thank you, Tess. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um Zach told me you were speaking tonight. And I, I heard you speak, I don't know when it was, on another meeting months ago. And um one of the fellows on the meeting, <laughs> she said, um, I'm trying to do this anonymously, but anyway, she said, be a Tess. I want to be a Tess. I don't want to be a you know, whoever I am, I want to be a test. And I agreed with her. I just, I loved your share. I, I was furiously taking notes. So I kind of don't know where to start. Well, um, that thought that this should be easy, um, cause you already have God, you know, kind of nailed down. And I flat out skipped the agnostics when I came in, cause I was like, that doesn't apply to me. Um, So I was schooled on that. Um, Yeah, spiritual arrogance. Okay. And I might want to ask a question about this. um, But I'll just say that um, as I'm, as I've gone through the steps and I'm sponsoring now, um, it came up recently that there's this area in my life where it's still vexing me these a the couple of character defects and so I'm back in the fourth for like um some fine tuning I guess digging deeper on that um I didn't start over but it's sort of like spot work I guess um I guess just so I could relate to that I just maybe um Why why do you feel like you had to start over? I guess is what I want to ask.
1: Do you mean with the step work or start over with my relationship with yeah. firepower or kind of both? Well, you
0: said um you
1: had to go back and work on your fourth. And yes, and you started so, over. Started yes, Yes. So I the first time I did my fourth step there was a resentment that I missed and I rushed out of I didn't give myself that full hour after I turned over after I did the fifth step I didn't give myself an hour I kind of rushed to go do something for work that was um also kind of like at a um at a church. So I was like, Oh, I'll just kind of reflect a little bit as I'm there, like kill two birds with one stone. That's kind of what I thought. Um, and then I went away with some friends weeks later. And a lot of those things with that resentment that I had never turned over just kind of came up and it just showed these holes that I had poked. Um, so I wound up picking up that, that week while we were away. Um, I wound up, yeah, picking up. And so, I was honest with my sponsor about it, and so she said, um, we just, she just kind of had me read, like, do the, we turned over the, that fourth step piece that I missed, but then just in talking, I was like, well, why did I think that I could just skip that hour you know, after my fourth stuff to begin with, like, okay, maybe maybe there's a little bit of power that I'm holding on to here. So mm-hmm. then we said, let's look at Bill's story again. She just kind of had me start start with Bill's story again because I picked up. Um, but then as as we kind of were talking about like, well, like how did how did we miss this resentment? Um, well, because I didn't give myself that hour. Well, what made you think that that hour after doing your fifth step didn't apply to you? I was like, well, I was just kind of telling, killing two birds with one stone. Um, and then it just kind of realized like, okay, you're still holding on to some power here. Let's, let's look at Bill's story again. Um, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. And that's, that's why the first time. And then the second time I, I was like in relapse for like a month and not being honest about it. So I was definitely holding on to a lot of power there. So I definitely had to to start over after that one.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Sounds like you have an amazing sponsor. Okay, I'm going to pass. <laughs> Who else wants to share? Unbelievable. <laughs>
2: uh Amy,
1: please go ahead.
3: Thanks, Zach. And thank you, Meredith. Thanks, everybody doing service tonight. Amy B., compulsive overeater, living very gratefully recovered from the food um, and really happy to be here tonight. Tess, thank you. That was wonderful. And thank you for starting with the We Agnostics piece, regardless of what chapter we're studying this week, because that was such, it was just, it was so specific and it was so personal and it was so important and it was so accessible uh, from, from my perspective, it was so accessible regar- regardless of anyone's personal spirituality. So thank you um, for, for sharing that with us. Thank you for sharing. I think I might've said this earlier this week. Thank you for sharing how you personalize the chapter. I'm in a step study now where that's a suggested exercise and it is fantastic. Um, It's really interesting to see the parallels between myself and a person with whom I have very few, seemingly very few things in common. Um, So I loved your examples. I love that you did that. I love that you took the time to connect personally to it because I really do think that that's how we find a deeper recovery. And then I wrote down, here it is. I wrote down my favorite part. I love the whole thing. I'm sorry. I shouldn't choose. The part that resonated so deeply with me. You said higher power waited for me or higher power waited. I apologize if I missed that up. That Idea that higher power, God, spirit, whatever word I may choose to use in the moment, is holding me in my struggles, just waiting for me to be ready to surrender, waiting for me like higher powers waiting. And right there, but I have to surrender. And um, I really heard that beautifully from you tonight. I heard so much surrender. I heard so much willingness. Thank you for your share. I passed. Thank you,
0: Amy. Lisa N, you're up. Hey there, Lisa,
2: Compulsive Reader in Georgia. Um, Tess, thank you so much. That was beautiful, really just, it was just a very peaceful, serene share. Um, it went along nicely with my lovely cup of tea. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I can't take notes. I, y'all that are able to take notes, I, 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 my hat is off to you. I, I can't, I can't take notes. I wish I could, but the thing I'm thinking of the things that really stood out to me. I love how you said how you were honest about how you would binge before and after going to meetings. And I so used to do that too. I used to sit in, Oh, I am mean, this years ago, I would sit there and plan what I was going to buy at the store on the way home. You know, only a compulsive overeater does that, but I kept going. That's the whole point. I kept going. I kept showing up. Um, And then I too was so completely moved by, and once again, I'm probably paraphrasing too, but you said God waited and, and, and my, my higher power who I do call God, God waits. God is so patient um, always. And then I, I just love so many things that you talked about looking at Bill's story. Bill, yeah, Bill was... I mean, he was like an egomaniac. I mean, and, and, and I mean, you know, I'm trying to judge him here, but I mean, you know, it doesn't black and white. It's like, you know, he, um, uh, it's amazing the level, um, where his pride, his ego is just scratched. And then he has that beautiful experience that, that extreme white light experience, um, with his higher power and he is just moved and floored. And, um, and, and that is, um, you know, it's just like, I, I, I guess, and I've always known, I always hear, you know, it's not about the food, you know, or it is about the food, but it's not about the food. And it tells us in the big book that the main object of the book is to enable us to, 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 to have a relationship with a higher power is going to solve our problem. But I always thought it was the diet or I always thought it was getting rid of the character defects or working on my relationships, you know, that that was going to solve everything, but it's just, that's just not, I mean, that's, that's good stuff, but um, the longer I'm around, you know, and just what you, it's just what you shared, just reemphasize that it is so a matter of developing this relationship with this beautiful higher power. And he changes
0: my life every day. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lisa. Betty S., will you share with us, please?
4: Hi, Betty S., uh, recovery by here. So grateful to be here. Um, Tess, thank you so much for your share, uh, you know, it's just your honesty, your transparency, your tenacity, your 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 just stick to itism. Um, you know, uh, it's a tough thing when we go out and we use again to come back. It's a really tough thing to do. Um, I share, you know, my history. I share, you know, numerous relapse and. Um, coming back and going out again and coming back. And so, you know, so many of us in these rooms, we have that same experience. Um, and I just wonder, I, my, I have a question. Um, I wonder what what was different when you came back and you recovered? What was different that time in, in, um, in your thinking and uh, your disease, um, your motivation?
1: Thank you. Sure. Thanks, buddy. Um, I think what changed is I remember I was sitting at my nutritionist and um, I was in a relapse for about a month and it wasn't, I wasn't binging every day. It was just one thing that had sugar that had just come back into my food that I was having every morning. And it wasn't even like I would have them modify it. So I feel like it wasn't as much sugar as what it was supposed to be. So I was like totally lying to myself with it. And then I went to my nutritionist and um, you know, she kind of keeps track of of where I'm at in terms of a healthy body weight. So she's looking at things and she sits down and she's like, You need to tell me everything that you're that you're you're having because there are things physically changing that that are that tell me that you're not, you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. So I, I went through and I kind of had to have this like moment where she had me stop and repeat myself. Um, like I was just totally lying to myself and thought that what I was doing was okay. Cause it like, wasn't that big of a deal and it's only one thing. And it, um, and I, I just remember like, she just burst that bubble and I was like, Oh shit. I'm in relapse. Like, <laughs> like, I just remember like that full realization hitting me and it hit, like it hit, like, I remember leaving her office and I, I sat in my car and I probably like typed and erased and typed like four different messages to my sponsor before. Like, cause I was like, I have to tell her this again. And this time it wasn't like one, like, you know, oopsie emotional moment. Like I've been doing this for a month um, and lying to myself and like, you know, being dishonest with her and, and it, it just hit me hard. And, um, that was just my total rock bottom was like, I've received a taste of what recovery can look like. Um, I had started to see like physically, like I was starting to have a healthy body weight and I was able to, like, I, I was feeling more energized, like physically I was like feeling, um healthier in that sense. And then um even spiritually, uh, spiritually more, even more so. Like I just there was a sense of freedom that I had. It was it was totally more than than just physical. Like there was a sense of freedom that I had. And I remember sitting in that car re- typing and retyping that text to my sponsor and being like I'm not free right now. Like I'm not free. Um and I just was really honest with myself about being in that raw place and I just lived in it I just fully like allowed myself to be raw and to be in this raw place and I and I would like you know write those letters every night and I just was really honest like I every meeting that I went on that first month after I relapsed I was like hi I'm Tess I relapsed like and I need to call people and talk about it like I said that um, and that I just got honest and I just was really honest with that raw, like lack of freedom feeling that I was in. Um, and that's what like started that process for me.